So Dutch languages are pretty related to, to English, but we, we just tend to uh, pronounce things a little bit uh, louder and weirder. So if you walk into a place, in Britain is, hello, excuse me. And in Holland it's a, hello, hello. <laughs> hello listeners, this is Andy Steves with the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. This episode of Andy Steves Travel is brought to you by our break trips. Whether it's summer, fall, or spring break, have a blast across our favorite cities in Europe. We've got the best of Central Europe, covering Berlin, Prague, Krakow, and Budapest. And of course, our Italian extravaganza, Rome, Florence, Cinque Terre, Pisa, of course, and Venice. These cities sell themselves, and we pack them with some epic adventures into a quick 10-day visit. They kick off on Fridays and finish the following Sunday. Plus, take 10 euros off any trip when you book with the promo code ASTPODCAST. That's ASTPODCAST. Check them out at andysteves.com slash breaktrips. Today, we're heading to the canals of Amsterdam. We have my good friend and fellow WSA guide on the phone, Arthur Bielholt. Amsterdam is one of my favorite cities, and I absolutely loved designing the itinerary for our weekend experience there. We go over some of our favorite sites. We talk a little bit about the bike culture. We kind of compare some American politics and see how they relate to European and specifically Dutch political spectrum over there. Sorry about the sound quality. We were still working out some some kinks early on. Anyways, I hope you enjoy and of course, happy travels. Sharing tips, tricks, and tales from around the globe. This is Travel for the Next Generation. You're listening to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Episode 16. Welcome to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Arthur. Hey. Beaming in from Amsterdam, Holland. North Holland, the Netherlands, however you want to call it. We got so much to talk about, Arthur. First off, can you tell us just a a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, what you do now, why you're such a cool person? I want to know. (laughs) Uh, Well, um, (laughs) I'm Arthur. I'm born and raised in... uh, the vicinity of Amsterdam, actually, from a small village right next to that. But uh, from a U.S. distance perspective, that's a that's a suburb of Amsterdam. Close, sure. close enough to ride your bike, right? Yeah, for sure. There you go. Uh, I'm a tour guide throughout the city of Amsterdam, and I am still working as a stage manager of the Comedy Cafe, the oldest and number one stand-up club of Amsterdam. I also work as a tour guide for WSA. That's right. WSA as in Weekend Student Adventures. So you are my Amsterdam man. We met in an interesting way, and I would love to hear your take on on the story. So the the way I started guiding was that I used to be a history student, and then I did like most of the time my work was for Dutch people and taking to certain areas of the city that are particularly interesting to Dutch people like the Jordan neighborhood. So I was walking through there with a bunch of elderly Dutch people, I think, and I eventually got stalked by some American guy who, and and I think I interrupted you by going like, hey, uh, this is kind of a private thing, so, uh," (laughs) 
<laughs> you gave me your card and we went for coffee. That's how that works. <laughs> yeah. So um, from my side of things, I was just enjoying a uh, an apple pie out in front of uh, Vinkel 43. But I saw this cool looking dude wearing sunglasses and a backwards hat or something walking down. And uh, yes, elderly Dutch group behind him. But I figured, you know what? All Dutch people speak English. And if he knows what he's talking about enough to make these people happy, I bet he can relate to some uh, young Americans. So I chased you down and I passed you my car and said, hey, let's, let's grab a coffee. I'd love to talk about uh, being my Amsterdam man. Up until that point, I had been delaying trying to find a local guide for Amsterdam just because I loved leading the tour through that city so much. Everything is so dense in Amsterdam that there's so many people there. The streets are dense. The real estate is dense. What made that come along? I mean, what what happened so that uh, Amsterdam was such a dense city? I mean, were the was land that hard to come by? Yeah, well, most, most of the city is actually um, built upon a marsh swampland in the, in a larger delta area of the main rivers of Europe, like the Rhine and the Maas. It's actually quite cool. We just celebrated the birthday of our city. Uh, the birthday of the city is uh, 27th of October of 1275. So uh, we're about uh, 741 years old at the moment. But you have to imagine that therefore Amsterdam is not the oldest city in Europe, but um, it actually started off as this, uh, pioneering area where people started settling these more swarmlands and due to the fact that Amsterdam is particularly strategically located at the estuary of the Amsterdam River, they had to build a very compact uh, little city because everything was really hard to keep dry basically. So that also created eventually the the layout of of the rest of the place basically. And that kind of plays out in today's streets in Amsterdam. Obviously, they haven't like bulldozed the medieval center. They've just built up around it. So for yeah. me, I love checking out the very heart of Amsterdam. That's where it started, Dam Square and, and, the, and the kind of surrounding streets around that. And then think about chopping a tree down and you see the, uh, the, the growth rings, you know, uh, sure. on the inside of the tree. Obviously, when the rings are fatter and bigger, that means it was a healthy year. When they're smaller, it means it was tougher going. You know, Amsterdam, you can kind of see a little bit of that in uh, in the layout of the city to the point where you get out to the modern expansions and you have an airport, you have highways, you got train lines, all, all of that stuff that modern technology and engineering can support. Whereas, you know, in the very historic center where it was founded, did you say 700 years ago? That, that's where the streets are much more dense. So you'll notice that as you walk through the streets of Amsterdam. We're actually integrating new modern uh, uh, transportation in there at the moment. There's a new metro line that crosses directly through the old inner city, which um, is pretty high tech due to the fact that we're in a swamp underneath these old buildings. So yeah, in, in Paris or in Rome, if they, if they drill a metro line, you basically drill through stone, you have a metro. So this thing is about six kilometers underground is currently uh, five years overdue and is costing us 3.1 billion euros. Jeez, 3.1 billion euros. Is that for one line? One line. One and line. And it goes from north to south. For many locals, it is a reason to uh, complain. We like make it into a parking lot. It's way too much money. But if you think about it, it's, like, it's actually quite special that we go to such lengths to actually maintain the historical inner city and also try to make it accessible for uh, millions of people that are trying to come into the city. So 
in in that sense, it's also very Dutch in that we, due to ingenuity, mm-hmm. find the solution. Because they say that God made the world, but the, the Dutch made the land. <laughs> <laughs> The Dutch made the Netherlands. So kind of along those same lines, if I were to say like, oh man, that is so Dutch. What is the first thing that pops into mind? Me as a 10 year old kid biking to a, to a frozen lake with my buddies, bike around for 40 kilometers minus 10, and then, then eat like weird pea soup on the side of the canal. And yeah, that's, that's that sounds pretty Dutch to me. Are there? <laughs> that's, what, wow. that's what we do here. So we know the Dutch dominate in engineering, in uh, ice skating. What else? What else comes to mind as far as like what? What are you the, the at the top of the heap with cycling? Obviously, comes to mind. Our our, our world famous pragmatism towards certain problems in society. <laughs> Can you explain that approach to us? You take pragmatism very seriously as a society. You've recognized that it's much more pragmatic, productive, useful to take certain approaches to societal challenges that other countries have decided, thanks to religion or, or morality or what you name it, to simply outlaw. What has the Dutch government decided to do differently? Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, to, fir- to first of all, start of all, everybody always comes here with the assumption that we don't have any morality and there's no religious aspect to it. But this is not the case. Yeah? We're also just, just another country, only due to a large history in which we have dealt with certain problems in society. We've tried to use more pragmatic ways of solving these things. But that also means that if something doesn't work, we change it back up again. So we're, of course, famously referring to the coffee shops. Yeah? And, and just to be clear, what kind of coffee do you pick up in these coffee shops? Very green coffee. <laughs> Very green coffee. So we're talking about the marijuana industry and how it's yeah. decriminalized, not legal necessarily, but decriminalized, right? Yeah. The Dutch government actually has been a lot more conservative in the last couple of years. So what I'm trying to say here, in, in, in Dutch society, it's also, it's trying to find a balance in between practicality and what is morally acceptable. Because mm-hmm. all the foreigners always come to Amsterdam and think, oh, the whole country is like this. If you if you sit in a car for half an hour, you're in the so-called Bible Belt, and it's uh, just like in the rural parts of the US, you know? So this, this is like any other society, only we've had, I think, more experience also. This episode of Andy Steve's Travel is brought to you by our new guidebook, Andy Steve's Europe, City Hopping on a Budget. It's available online and in stores now. This guidebook highlights the key information you need to know about our favorite cities like top sites, delicious restaurants, crazy nightlife venues, basically all to help you maximize your time, fun, and budget while traveling through Europe. Check it out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and of course, your local bookstore. Andy Steve's Europe, city hopping on a budget. Happy travels. A couple things here that piqued my interest. One, you said that the Dutch are happy to experiment and try with things, see how it works. If it works great, we'll go keep going down that path. Or you adjust and evolve and change it so that it does improve. But a lot of tourists will say, 
oh man, they've legalized weed. They have, of course, the red light district. You know, obviously it's not a perfect system. What aspects are changing right now in Dutch society and legally? Yeah, well, well first of all, we have to explain what the whole system is about. So it, it, it basically regulates the small sales and personal usage of marijuana. And we do this by uh, not enforcing uh, and prosecuting uh, people that want to do this for personal usage. The, the whole idea behind that was that we, in, uh, before we started this, had more problems with legal uh, trading on the streets, organized crime was involved, hardware were involved, our cops had actually spent time chasing hippies with a joint. It's pretty pointless. So uh, uh, the whole idea behind this was to decriminalize a certain aspect of the, the sales and the usage of, of soft drugs. Soft drugs? What, what, besides marijuana, what are soft drugs? Uh, the, 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 the psychedelic mushrooms for a while were. But they have now been changed into truffles. That's another very long story. But these are basically nature products with not uh, very big side effects after the usage. So don't get me wrong. Uh, in, in Holland, like things like cocaine, heroin, and all the classics are also completely illegal. But um, we're talking about the, the modern day challenges to it, right? One of the things we see is that, uh, for instance, we, we have actually... Uh, decide not to persecute the person who uses it, but that still didn't mean you, you could actually sell it in a, in a wholesale manner, nor grow it. That's interesting. So it's okay for me as a tourist or you as a Dutch citizen to walk into a coffee shop, say, I want two grams of this and a gram of that. Yeah. And, and so, so you go into that coffee shop and for the consumer, it's okay. Like, okay, I just want to get uh, a couple grams of weed. Um, but how is that shop supplying and where is this marijuana being grown? That's why this whole industry kind of operated in technically a gray zone, right? But, but it was just kind of decriminalized. Nobody was prosecuted. Yeah. There's a lot of just challenges in the field. Also, there's a challenge with us being in the European Union and having to deal with a lot of drug tourists. Because here's the thing, because of this lovely, uh, lovely structure we have developed, there are Dutch people that do this recreationally. But in general, most Dutch people don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, that's so interesting because you talk to a Brit, an American, a Canadian, anybody, a French person, a, a Spaniard, going to the Netherlands, they're going to say, oh man, aren't you going to smoke? And then and then you talk to a Dutch person, yeah, of course, they smoked a couple times when they were 17, and then maybe they smoke every, like, once or twice a year since then. And it's really just like one of any number of ways to find entertainment. But so, so that's so interesting, you know, because in the States, for us, drugs are, of course, illegal. Uh, Washington State, it's, it's legalized now, actually, and I think in at least, I think, four other states. But, um, so you, if you compare this to the U.S. situation, so a state like Colorado has that whole nice system now going on, but they still have problems with the federal government getting can step in at any time, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now we have we have yeah, similar problems with uh, the fact that we're part of the European Union, which has very open borders. So that means that especially in the border towns of the Netherlands, you have a lot of kids coming in from Belgium, France, and Germany as drug tourists. But yes, uh, the mayor of Amsterdam immediately uh, saw that 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 
new uh, regulation would never work in the city here because we are famous for it, we're actually used to it. And we have so many uh, people coming in each year that he then struck a deal with the national government and he, he just had to close at least a third of all the coffee shops here. The, the funny thing is that since they cleaned the place up, it's, it's, it's going back to the old uh, red light district a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. It's like a... um. You know, one of those balloon toys where if you squeeze it on one end, it pops out somewhere else. And then, yeah. you know, you know, it's so it's so interesting to, to reflect on that. But, you know, in my talks, I always speak to how it's so important to get past that reaction of deciding whether or not you agree with what you're experiencing. You know, a lot of travelers get stuck on, oh, my gosh, there's prostitution right here. Oh, my gosh, there I can smell marijuana right here. Yeah, I'm always encouraging people to get past that and kind of look at Amsterdam and the Netherlands as a case study to see it and learn a little bit about how it works and then understand, okay, if I could take this approach back to my home country, wherever it is, would that make things better? Would that make things worse? Are there aspects that we can draw? So I'm curious as a, as a tour guide, I'm curious about the span or the, the range of the, the reactions that you've seen. People are always very curious about it, so that that's good. If you're curious, you're also slightly open-minded. If you if you immediately say no against these things, you probably never go to Amsterdam. But true, you do have people with a way different background that that, that come here, and um, they are most of the time more amazed by it than shocked, because I, I try to show them that it's mostly out of pragmatism. In real life, you see, you see that we therefore have. Uh, in certain areas, less problems with it, when, which you would have with trying to oppress all these things, and that therefore it doesn't play a, a large role in, in everyday Dutch life. And that also clarifies to these people that join our trips that it's uh, it's not just a, a free for all. It's kind of a free for all with a, a, a Calvinistic finger going, you can do this, but you have to behave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we've discussed that topic enough. What, last question on it. Do you get tired talking about it? I mean, at least half your day has to be talking about those two subjects. Sometimes I have discussions with people that don't agree with all. So it's, it's, it's a sensitive issue. So that's also why it's interesting in a way. And uh, I, also th- I also think it's still effective. So... Sure, sure, sure. And full disclosure, you don't smoke and you don't drink, right? Yeah, I, 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 the time in your life when you do that and uh, eventually uh, you have other stuff to do. So, uh, of course. No, yeah. And you don't see the ladies of the night. No. <laughs> no. In just about five or six minutes, what I'd love to do is ask you some cliche questions about Amsterdam and the Netherlands. So, you know, if it's my first time in Amsterdam, what are the foods typical eats? What should I be sure to put on my list? Uh, well, definitely the good old Dutch uh, dishes like the stompot and the boudicol, because uh, we'll be sure to spell Dutch, those out in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 basically what our cuisine is based upon: is hardworking fishermen's farmers' foods. You know, so don't expect like uh, the Italian or, or French cuisine, but it is really part of our culture. So that's something we definitely should have tried. Um, and our fast food, uh, that's the, 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 the Fabo where you can get the food from the wall. 
get the food from the wall? What are you talking about? It's <laughs> it's a franchise a snack store that uh, has developed. You know, you guys developed the drive-in, right? That's sort of the pinnacle of fast foodiness. So we invented the Faybone, which is basically a little snack bar where uh, it has a giant wall with all these warmed cabinets. And you put in two euros, you can open up a cabinet, get uh, like a hamburger or fried meat roll or something. And uh, you, you and, don't have to talk to somebody that's probably head on out. So yeah. if you can imagine, it's imagine a fast food uh, burger joint like McDonald's or Burger King or whatever, and instead of having a cashier desk to walk walk up to, it's just a wall, and it's a it's a wall of food vending machines in a, in a one by one format. So you the the people in the back are making fresh burgers. Well, fresh is a relative term, of course, but. Um, it's pretty fresh and and they just slot these burgers into these spaces and then you on the outside just puts in a two euro coin and pulls out a, a steaming burger right right there yeah we we can't miss uh stroop waffles of course, no, of course. and uh, number one cookie i gave out a, a shout out to um the apple pie but that's just me i mean for me that's always been a winner uh the, the apple pie in, in amsterdam seems to be quite delicious yeah, 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 we we uh, we can uh, we we can have a battle between Dutch and the American pie. Yep, pancakes as well. Pancakes, definitely. We have our own way of making them. I'm trying to get American students, which are predominantly pretty picky at what they eat, <laughs> to uh, uh, eat the Dutch herring. And uh, that that doesn't sound too bad, right? A herring. Oh, a herring, right? It's, yeah. It's a piece of fish. The only the only thing though is it's completely raw. So uh, it's basically our version of sushi. It's it's a very traditional thing. I mean, uh, the, the one of the reasons the Dutch are the tallest people on the planet is that we are being force-fed uh, dairy products and raw fish from an early age, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> That's what I also try to do with uh, with students, which, uh, to be honest, I must say, uh, I also mentally prepare them for that for two days, but uh, most of them actually try it out, and they're always uh, pretty surprised. It's Arthur in Amsterdam, and he has your best interest at heart. He wants you to grow tall and healthy <laughs> by way yeah, of yeah. potatoes, sausages, and raw herring. <laughs> Actually, nobody eats these things, but I just find it hilarious. <laughs> oh, you can't forget Gouda cheese, right? You got to try some cheese. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, cheese. We, uh, yeah, every every European country claims to have the best cheese in the world, mm-hmm. but the Dutch really do. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, the Gouda, which is made in all kinds of variations and flavors, and we call it Gouda, but just a Camembert in France. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be made in Camembert, of course. So. It, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's rather delicious. There you go. What about uh, souvenirs? I mean, if somebody comes to the Netherlands, what are what are some typical but not cliche souvenirs? Wooden clocks, man. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because uh, that's a stereotypical image of the Dutch that everybody walks around on wooden clocks and, and, and windmills. Uh, huh? And windmills, right? Oh yeah, yeah. There's so many windmills here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think something that also that refers. To local uh, uh, things, yeah. So, uh, you, you of course you can get your classic T-shirt that has uh, three weed things on it and all that. Mm-hmm. But it's way cooler to have one of the cannabis college, you know. There so, you go. <laughs> free information center with taking you to to uh, inform you about legalization. For, for my mom, I picked up some uh, Delftware, some kind of like oh uh, yeah. 
it's kind of like Dutch China. It, it, not China, but it's white porcelain with blue drawings of, of clogs and windmills, basically. Yeah, no, no, for sure. If you do get that, you have to make sure to pack it correctly. Otherwise, you have a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> also, people always also want to have uh, tulip bulbs when they take them, uh, to take back. Good stuff. Hey, with that, um, let's go ahead and wrap up, Arthur. Thank, thanks so much for joining us. Where can we and our listeners find more information about you? Is there? Would you like to give a shout out for your comedy club? Uh, my comedy club, the Comedy Cafe, of course, which is... Uh, Comedy Cafe Amsterdam. Yeah. Well, cool. This has been a great little chat. We got into some politics, a little bit of sex, drugs, rock and roll. And, uh, but hey, that's, that's, uh, sex, Amsterdam. Dutch, and rock and roll. There you go. Dewey, as they say. Do- oh, yeah. Dewey, Dewey. Dewey. Muscle. <laughs> hey, we should have uh, done some uh, Dutch uh, words, man. Tell us. Tell us. Do you have anything to add? Yeah, absolutely. So, Dutch language is pretty related to, to English, but uh, we, we just tend to uh, pronounce things a little bit uh, louder and weirder. <laughs> so, if you walk into a place, yeah, in, in Britain is hello, excuse me, and in Holland is a hello, hello. <laughs> you know, you know, we talk, right? And uh, we are also very famous for using uh, very weird sounds in our language, like the and the Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, it's, we do sound like a drunk, a bunch of drunk pirates, and uh, <laughs> that's the best way to learn that. So uh, what I always like to learn people is to, like the, the, just to say how I'd say uh, goodbye or something, and that's that's famously Dewey. But since Amsterdam has always had uh, quite a large Jewish population and uh, has a long heritage in that, we also use a lot of Yiddish words in our local slang. So uh, instead of Dewey for in Amsterdam, you say muscle. That comes from muscle tough. And muscle. so we have all these, yeah, all these little slang words we, we use here in Amsterdam, which are actually kind of cool. Which nice. makes it kind of unique. So, uh, yeah. Nice, man. Well, I'll have yeah. to pick up some of that slang when I'm in town uh, <laughs> next time around. All right. Cool. <laughs> Cheers, man. Th- thanks a million. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. Find all show details, links, and tips at andysteves.com. You can connect with WSA Europe, Andy's tour company, at WSA Europe on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next time. Happy travels.